Welcome to Study Buddy, meditation philosophy for the heart of your practice. And all three ashrams are here. That's true. <laughs> well, uh, this week we're going to continue the discussion of Sutra 3.13. Uh, we'll, we'll be wrapping up the Sutra uh, today. We're going to touch on a little bit of how it went uh, from two weeks ago because there was a lot of discussion um, via the Marco Polo app that was just I thought was super inspiring. And so I've, I've sort of taken a little time to make sure that we call back to the people who were uh, working with it and, and sort of bringing up those ideas. Um, and then we move forward into the last portion of the sutra, which really brings the whole thing together, where we see that the absolute independence of Shiva um, that is described as the state of the Siddha or the state of the realized practitioner, that this absolute independence of Shiva is something that is different from the independence that we normally associate with from the perspective of our ego, uh, from the limited self, power, independence, all these things have a very different definition than how they are defined from the state of Shiva. And that um, ends up being like the crux of the promise of this sutra. Because the promise of the sutra says that the realized being attains absolute independence and power and that the world bends to their will. Now, from a limited perspective, that sounds like, whoa, uh, wow. But from Shiva's perspective, that's actually what's already happening. So we'll talk all about that and we'll work with that. Um, Derek, welcome. Good to see you. Cool. Um, big D. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, without further ado, um, let's move into a little bit of movement um, guided by Abaya, and then we'll jump right into the work of the week. And just because there's a couple of new faces, um, I just want to explain the reason why we start this way is um, with philosophy, it's so easy for energy to rise up into the mind, and it can be uh, frustrating or just a waste of energy. Uh, so we start by feeling and then we try to maintain that sense of really being connected to inner sensation as we connect with the energy of the sutra. Um, so take a moment to close the eyes if that feels comfortable. And allow your awareness to start to pour into your physical form. So you can feel your legs on your chair or your cushion. Hips resting. Heavy. Anchored. Start to trace your awareness up your spine. And notice that sense of buoyancy, sense of lightness, and in case you're not feeling that, we'll, we'll start to bring a little more lightness to the spine by just gently rocking on the pelvis, left and right, and you'll feel the weight shifting more into one sit bone and then the other. 
the pelvis gently rocks, notice the spine like a piece of tall, pliable bamboo. left and right, there's a sense of gently arcing forward and then to one side, back to the other side. And then let's all slow down. So we're moving twice as slow. See if you can feel twice as much sensation. You are made of 70 trillion cells. Imagine them like a school of fish, all just moving in unison with this very simple, fluid exploration. And then to keep it balanced, when it feels right to you, you can switch directions and move even slower. And let the slowness be interesting instead of boring. become more present in the body, more conscious if you can release tension through the muscles in the back, the muscles around the shoulders, neck, jaw. And to release tension, you don't have to do anything. It's really the starting to release viewership that allows that to be possible. Letting your body just be, letting your breath just be natural, easy. And then allow the circles to get smaller and smaller until you find equal weight in the pelvis. And imagine those circles just spiraling up the spine, even as you're still, that energy starting to travel upward. Just observe the next few breaths from this even, balanced space of feeling and being connected inwardly. And we'll just conclude by ever so gently smiling with the face and feeling the inner brightness that comes with that external action. to repetition of the sutra uh, for its mantra-like power. Siddha Svatantra Bhava. Siddha Svatantra Bhava. You can repeat it to yourself like a mantra. Just let the vibration work on you. Siddha Svatantra Bhava. The state of absolute independence is already achieved. 
So we're familiar with the word siddha as the realized masters of our tradition. And this represents realized practitioners, you know, of any tradition. Um, that's what the word siddha means, the, the, where the practice has been achieved. And then this svatantra bhava, the state of absolute independence of our work. And so just to call back a little bit to last class, we, and we'll just, just taking a moment to review, we talked about, uh, we explored the concept of svatantriya shakti, and we looked back in the sutras um, to see that svatantriya shakti was originally sort of described to us in context of the whole Sanskrit alphabet. Um, so this means that the the alphabet is the manifestation of Shiva, and it represents all of the universe, every letter. And then so the first letter represented our individual perspective, and the last letter represented Shiva's perspective. And we learned from this previous sutra that they come together through single-pointed focus. And so we explored the rolling Om, Om, and that place in the M sound the Anishvara sound, as it's called in Sanskrit, um, is the unity of those two perspectives. And the prompt was given um, in the Marco Polo app about, you know, really trying to see when can you merge these perspectives of Shiva in your life. And do you want to say what the Marco Polo thing oh, is? Oh, sure. Just in case people yeah, don't know. Thanks. And um, Padma, could you? tilt the camera just a little that way I'll tell you when just because I can't zoom it quite right just a little that way got it okay cool so Marco Polo is an app uh, that we're using to, to discuss these prompts um, from class people are bringing into their life here's something that's fun uh, we're used to seeing everyone shrine uh, in their rooms from the zoom app from the zoom application which is cool but now we get to see people like in their backyards people with their kids, people on bike rides, like Sangha, not just people. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been really, um, a d I feel like yet again, we found a new level of connection with Sangha. I don't know how to put it. Maybe you felt it from those uh, videos as well, but it's like, I didn't even know that that was there. I didn't even know I was missing that. And now I'm like craving it. Um, so feel free to reach out to me in any way possible if, if you don't know how to get on that. <laughs> And uh, we'll get you hooked up with that. It's a free application, and we're all sort of hanging out there between sessions. So a couple of people had some really fun things to share. I'm not going to read the whole quote. I geeked out a little bit, and I actually listened to everybody's things like two or three times and like wrote quotes from them. Then Abayah said, that's going to take way too long in class to read. Just summarize the quotes. So they're on the screen for now, but I'm just going to talk through them a little. Um, so the first, Marcella broke the ice for the entire community by saying that she was practicing this ohm sound when she was driving home. And that, that, that single pointed focus transformed what would be a normal drive where she was usually, where am I going next? So she said she really enjoyed the drive and it was like a very calm and pleasant experience. And then Sevananda came on and talked about um, how this single pointed focus like changed the game for her and that she had a really powerful experience in the emergency room with her son where she was repeating the sound of Om into his ear while it was something really intense was going on, and that she actually felt it shift. His heart started beating normally again, which was the cause of the concern, 
and um, and she felt really calm. And so this was like a big deal for her. Um, and she said that just reflecting on it made her realize what she had been doing um, and that that was really, even the reflection process was powerful for her. And then the last one for this section, for this prompt, was when Tashi stepped outside the, the Shoshone kitchen. We got to hang out on the back deck of Shoshone and see the snow on the picnic tables. Uh, and he said he was setting this inner goal of trying to experience Shiva through the task he was doing, like chopping a vegetable or doing a dish. And that he said it came, that experience, that merging upward from an individual little perspective of chopping this one vegetable to the bigger experience of what it is we call, you know, the present or Shiva, um, came to him when he was least expecting it. Because, and I thought this was very insightful, he said, uh, it seems like the mind just gets in the way of, a, of that experience most of the time. So it's almost like you have to do the practice a lot so that the mind can eventually fade and you can actually experience it. So those were all ways that people were bridging up from their individual experience to this bigger experience of Shiva throughout the week. And I uh, thought it was definitely worthy of, of sharing here. Um, before we move on to the next point, is there any questions or comments about those, or even if I, yeah, I quote anyone wrong? <laughs> cool. So that was like the first third of the sutra, um, talking specifically about what is Fatantria? You know, what is it? And so then we moved on, just a little bit more review before we get into the new material. We moved on to this concept of owning your practice. The quote from the text said, you must own that energy of absolute independence, which is really the energy of Bhairava. You must own that energy of absolute independence, which is really the energy of Bhairava. And so one way that we worked with this concept of owning it was through this reflective practice of I am Shiva. Just, just putting that out there, really trying to like identify with that, no matter what state you're in, whether you're happy or whatever else, you know, or whether life's going your way or not, every single situation we're presented with, we can choose to be in this situation through the perspective of Shiva. And that really seemed to snowball for people in their life. Um, again, not going to go through every single quote, although I did for some reason write them all out. Um, but there's just a lot here. I'm just going to touch on really quickly. Dharma was saying that it helped him snap into a perspective of gratitude. Like the minute he like was like, I am Shiva, it opened him up to gratitude and to seeing his life circumstances as fuel. thought that was really specific and really helpful. Um, Swami Devananda was saying that, um, that this practice helped her uh, melt into what she described as the void and that it really dis dissolved her difficulties. Uh, Ture was walking back from yoga, teaching yoga class and saw the snow melting from the trees and really recognized that snow changing from, s from snow to water and felt like a real connection there with, with this idea of like, I am Shiva in a different form. Mahadev uh, listened to the podcast 
and, or watched it because he said when he was watching it and he was looking at all of our faces on the Zoom room, which I'm assuming he'll be doing tomorrow. Hi, Baha Dave. How you doing? Um, that he saw that we're all different like lenses or different petals almost like of Shiva. And we're just seeing this one reality from a bunch of different perspectives. I thought that was really insightful, like how in this room we're all internally focused and we're all experiencing something and that when you look at that screen you can see Shiva in its many forms and Tara said that I am Shiva helped her go from the raindrop to the ocean and to avoid judgment and accepting and rejecting and then finally Jatila talked about having a really particularly challenging day and he said he like couldn't see a way out of the experience he was having which I think we can all relate to like when you're really going through it like you just can't see how you could not feel like this and he said that's how he's feeling and he asked himself how is this moment an experience of the true independence of Shiva how is this moment so it's like you're not feeling good yet you're still Shiva and that that flipped it for him that really shifted it for him and was able and he just sort of like he said he just quickly came out of it out of the experience even though he didn't know how to get out of it all right so powerful stuff in my opinion uh, uh, sharing from a new place um, I think the idea of everybody bringing this practice into their life um, obviously we've always been working with that but to be able to work with it and then comment and then hear each other um, really exciting week I'm gonna pan over to Abaya um, thanks for doing a compilation of our amazing Sangha's yeah. quotes I it, um, getting to hear everybody sharing um, and sometimes it was you know through challenges or just an ordinary moment becoming sweeter and blissful um, to me that really encapsulates why we're doing this philosophy program you know um, of course it's great to have a strong foundation be able to talk about these things in an intelligent way uh, but my my favorite part of studying the sutras is that it like plants this little seed and so that I have a spark throughout the day of like oh I'm contemplating this thing and it comes through when I really need it and so um, just to hear how that impacted all of you and how we're sort of inspiring each other by by planting these seeds for each other and, and um, bringing the sutras into our days is, is really just what it's all about so uh, you guys are all so inspiring and I'm glad that we can um, keep that that ball rolling together because it's really hard to do on your own. <laughs> Any other comments before we move on to new material? Feel free to just unmute yourself and go for it. So let's move on to the, to the last portion of the sutra. Um, I'm going to pull up this quote from the sutra. 
and before I pull it up, let's see. Cat, would you mind reading it? I'm going to pop it on the screen. All elementary worlds, all individuals, all words, and all sentences are absolutely dependent on and under the control of such a yogi. And so take your time with that sutra, you know, there's the nourishment or with that portion of the sutra. There are uh, two or three different instances in this um, in this sutra that talk about the power of a practitioner. Is basically, you know, how you might summarize it. We see that spiritual practice cultivates power and independence. Now we know this intuitively because Swami Yogananda described spiritual work as cultivating spiritual muscle. So it's like built into like how we've been introduced, you know, um, that as you do practice, you get stronger. In the last class, we used this metaphor of spiritual practice being like walking up a down escalator, walking up a down escalator. And I believe a number of us had done that. <laughs> um, and um, we saw this as sort of, Paralleling, this is an image right here of the tattvas. Uh, so this is manifestation according to Kashmir Shaivism. It starts from a single point up here, and it um, sort of unfolds into a myriad of infinite forms. And so in a way, this escalator, it's going down all the time. It's constantly unfolding, unfolding, like an escalator. Just imagine the steps were just being made down, 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 down. And so if you just sit there idly, you just ride that bottom step all the way down into manifestation. And what that looks like, in according to sutras, is suffering. Because you start to identify yourself as all these forms, and you really forget. Shiva gets further and further away, essentially. Even though you were always Shiva, your experience of Shiva gets further and further away. And so we see in previous sutras... Uh, uh, descriptions like this, where uh, Lakshmanju translates as, those who are deprived of awareness are pushed down into the field of ignorance. Those who possess the fullness of awareness, however, become completely elevated. So being deprived of awareness, meaning your awareness is in the form and not in the experience of it in, in yourself inside, uh, takes us down the escalator. Uh, possessing the fullness means you're walking up it. Now, imagine if you're really walking up this escalator, um, the consistency that is required, the, the constant effort that is required, and as you actually proceeded up this escalator, you can imagine that there'd be fewer and fewer and fewer people on this escalator because as soon as you stop, you start going down, right? And you can also imagine that the people on this escalator, like at the higher rungs, rungs that we're not even up to yet, um, would be incredibly powerful, right? Imagine if it was a physical thing. These would be like Olympic escalator people, <laughs> like people with 
quadriceps the size of a Tour de France champion, right? They're just pumping these steps all day long. <laughs> I got a, wow, I got a big laugh from Dial in there. That's great. So that is sort of the metaphor that the sutras are talking about. They're saying these individuals are powerful, powerful, and they really mean it. It's not like a metaphor. It's just the power on this realm of existence, you know, we might equivocate with uh, muscular power, but these psychic muscles like Rudy and Muktananda and Itinanda and Babaji, I mean, these individuals are Tour de France champions of spirit. They really do have Olympic level strength in them. Uh, it, we just don't have the eyes to see it most of the time, right? In, unless we're really practicing. And so that is the power that we're talking about in here. And if you can imagine having that kind of strength, you can imagine that strength having uh, results like this. Uh, that the whole world, all your words, the individuals are, that you interact with become dependent on this control or uh, makes the whole universe dependent on them. This world is lying under the control of such a yogi. So we're presented with a very interesting phenomenon here. And this brings us to the, to the last half of the, this concept, because there's two sides to this coin. The first side of the coin is spiritual practice makes you powerful. There's no doubt about it. Olympic level strength. But the other side of the coin is the source of this power and the way it really manifests. Because we're told later in this quote, uh, I know it's a short quote, but Megan, could you read it for us? It's coming up here. Such a yogi who is always intent on determining the reality of Shiva. And it's a little, might be a little confusing sounding because it's sort of half of the quote, but yeah. These kind of yogis that are at the top of this escalator are always intent on determining the reality of Shiva. That's what defines their power. That's how it's stated in the text. So you're welcome to interpret it however you like because that's the fun part of philosophy is actually like, you know, how do you interpret that? So that is the definition of their, their work, and it defines their power. So that means that this is not the kind of power our small self considers to be power. This is, this is something different than that. That It's almost as if they're going in the flow of a river, and by going in that flow of the river, they have the power of this river. But they're not directing the river. So it's different than we're used to thinking, because usually we think of power, independence, control. These things usually associate with, I can direct this river how I want to. I can make my life look like I want to. And that is exactly the opposite, it seems, of what we're describing here. And I'll conclude here with this last point that 
just a few days ago, Babaji in Satsang was, in my opinion, describing this phenomenon when he said repeatedly, if you remember, um, that we can't bring our stuff with us to Shiva. We can't bring our stuff with us to Shiva. He said it so many times. And, and so we find that it's literally shedding the limited self its wants, its, its dislikes, all of these things. It's the shedding of those things that, that bring us up to Shiva. It's literally the shedding of that. So that when you arrive, you possess an independence and a power in your life, but it's somehow very different than how you would have once defined such qualities. And so let's um, let's take a moment now and, and just sort of work with this internally, just literally for a minute. Please, by all means, feel free to write a little, uh, to feel inside a little, and to just sort of work with this and generating a little bit of a discussion. Um, shedding shedding and releasing is how you go up this escalator play with that in your in your internal practice You can't bring your ideas with you up to Shiva. So how can you consciously release to go up? To really get what you want in this moment, literally, you've got to empty out, to let go of everything you can.
how are you determining, how are you becoming intent on determining the reality of Shiva? Shiva's reality is, it does exist. And you can get there. And it's this practice that the sutra is describing for us. What is Shiva's reality in this moment for you? How can you experience Shiva's reality right now? Take the next minute to actually write a little bit about your experience. I know we're not all writers, but the act of writing can help you realize it. It's a method of reflecting. So just take literally a minute. And what you write could be about your interpretation of this portion of the sutra, how you actually did it, etc. another 30 seconds or so. If it works uh, technologically, um, 
a key word um, would be fun to have in the chat box to inspire a little discussion. Um, or raise your hand and tell us about what you wrote. Or raise your hand and tell us something else. Hey, Bob. <coughs> Literally, the exact moment the word river came out of your mouth, I was thinking about uh, instead of an escalator, you could think of a river. And you could think of the Ganges continually flowing down from Shiva's head. And uh, if you were trying to swim up a river, you'd certainly not want to be carrying a backpack full of problems. You probably wouldn't want to have boots on. Uh, in fact, the less you were uh, dealing with, the faster you could swim. And yet, even that can be uh, speeded up because if you think about all the muscles and nerves of your body have little electric currents. So you could actually leave your body sitting on the shore and just send those electric currents up the river and they can travel at the speed of light. They don't weigh anything. They can go directly to Shiva. So by setting your body aside on the shore and taking that which is very light inside of you, you can send it right up the river to Shiva. Thanks, Bob. I can definitely feel that in, you know, when we practice and that idea of the exhale rising up the back to the crown, it feels like when you really let go of the body and you're, you're experiencing the lightness that's possible up that river. It's very helpful. Thank you. If anyone has a comment, you know, relating to that, feel free to go next. Otherwise, Anju. So much for that, Bob. That's I don't know the serendipity of the sangha. I was also thinking of a river, so um, and just the flow of water. I don't think I took it quite as far as you, but <laughs> I'm thinking about how when you're going to cross a river, if you try to swim upstream, regardless, like you're not going to get anywhere. And the way you have to get across is actually to let it. You kind of have to swim sideways and let it carry you. You have to fully sort of let go and go with the rhythm of the water and it's actually going to get you further upstream and across than if you're paddling and swimming through it. So I sort of had a bit of that similar sort of sensation and that's kind of, for me, kind of encapsulated and in, in sort of achieving that like witness state and, and surrender and really just having that faith to just trust that you can let go and it's going to take you further than getting caught up in the mind or any of the other aspects of who we are in our, in our physical selves um, in order to allow us to really move up instead of getting pushed down. Thanks, Anju. I really feel you there in a very, very practical way in the sense that working through challenging situations it's like our mind wants to just go straight through them but then when you actually start to consciously work through them 
it's like what Babaji says where you just have to like see what's possible and it's sort of like the rivers put you know you get pushed in a different direction but s yet you go forward and you end up in a different part of the bank than you were intending that is really helpful to look at I would love to play with that this week that idea of just like I got to keep going forward but I'm going to let myself be moved by the situation at the same time so I definitely look forward to working with that hmm. hey Ogita well right before class I got zapped with a phone call from my older sister arguing with my niece and different people were trying to do this beautiful garden to put my sister who passed away in and everybody's arguing with everybody <laughs> so yeah. i was trying to figure out what i can do to try to bring people together and i've seen myself escalating and trying to i've got to let go of the tension and i i really can't take sides you know and and as i was going up this elevator i could see this beautiful land buddha land this beautiful beautiful garden and and what we're trying to do is feel love for my sister who passed away and somehow in the mechanics we're losing that you know so i've got to get myself feeling love and and trying to you know uh, help them hmm. focus on what we're really trying to do is not how many plants there and how you know mm -hmm. <laughs> i don't know yeah, I'm just sort I of feel a lot better. Yeah. I think you've got to let go of the problem sometimes and just try to get yourself out of the tension, and then you can see better. Yeah, it's so easy to get to use our will to try to solve situations, and that usually takes us down. Uh, into the problems to the like you said the mechanics I think that's such a great term for it and then but if we can yeah, I feel like what Babaji is always teaching us is to surrender and to stay connected to like what you said with your sister to the, stay connected to the love while you deal with the mechanics and that should take you up it might be slower than you think right like but it, it it's like if you can stay connected to the to the love then the even when you're working with the mechanics you're you're it's like an upstream it's an up escalator kind of experience but like it's so quick as soon as you turn you focus on the mechanics of a situation how quickly it pulls you downstream and then and that's sort of what you're experiencing right so or you know you're you're seeing your family experience that's a very practical experience you know and as you work i mean that situation's not going away so it's like playing with this, I, I say playing because I think it's just fun, but you know, however you would think about it, but you working with this, this concept of like, how can I stay connected to the, to, to Shiva and not push the situation away and not try to change the situation, but like, how can I literally be in this situation and work with it consciously? And it could be a really fun thing to share in a couple of weeks, honestly, like, how did it go? I'd like to hear. Yeah. Alan. 
had like a visualization of um, kind of like Shiva, which I don't know, it was kind of cool. It was like Shiva was like light and I knew it was in me, but it was like, you know, up, up above me. And it was kind of like, uh, how am I gonna get there? And so it's like, it was more of like a floating type of thing. And I kind of pictured um, like holding onto a helium balloon. And then I kind of thought of like, when you were talking about how you have to let go of stuff, like how scary that would be as you're like leaving the ground, floating up, like, and you don't like, cause you could fall and you'd be like, just scared out of your mind probably to like, just keep <laughs> holding on. <laughs> and, and I was like, wow, but you'd just have to let go of all of that and keep focused on what you're going towards. Um, cause that was kind of like the thing for me. It was like, how do I think you said something like, how do you get there? And for me, I was thinking like, well, you have to like stay, I have to stay focused on that. Like I can't look around and get scared about all the other stuff or uh, all that other stuff is just stuff I have to let go of. So, um, anyhow, that was kind of the visualization that come to, came to me. <laughs> That's just amazing. It's so fun. It really works. Yeah. Just like doing it. It's fun. The nice part about meditation is like we can try it. I think when we're doing it in our life, it can feel like the helium balloon scare. When you feel like you have a situation in front of you that if you surrender right now, it might fall apart. You know, um, you have a deadline for something and you just have to like grit your teeth and like just crank to get it done. And like, I feel like those are the situations where you can really feel that helium where, where you feel like I'm going to fall. If I let go of this thing, it's going to hurt things are going to go wrong. And then, but it's like during meditation, it's like we can play with that concept in such a, in, in the same way that we will in life, but it's like, we know we're not going to fall. I don't, you know, maybe when you get into like the inner realms, I know there's experiences that can feel just as real. So, but for the most part, you know, I feel like that's why we have to have our daily practice because it's it's the only way we can't just expect ourselves to be fearless in these moments um if we if we haven't practiced it and, and trust it you know like i remember the first time i we went rock climbing i'd never fallen off of rock you know i never got a chance to like feel what that's like it was my first and only time <laughs> and i remember being up about 40 feet and being just so terrified because i just didn't trust the carabiner concept you know and i just like i just could not relax because i'd never gotten to try falling a little or missing something and like actually feel like oh this works oh i'm not gonna you know so it's like meditating every day is like a way to practice so that you know you're not really gonna fall or when you do fall it's it's gonna it's gonna be okay like it's you know so. Thanks for that visualization. I'm pretty sure I'm going to use that literally to meditate with in the coming weeks. Sounds really helpful.
Megan. I think I think I read this in spiritual cannibalism that like Rudy was kind of talking about this, about how like the like head boss of a business like can't be concerned with like the lower going ons or else like it's just like too much. You know, so like if you want to be able to like see the big picture, like focus on the balloon, like you can't be looking down at the same time kind of thing. Definitely sounds like spiritual cannibalism. Yeah. Just sort of working with that, it, it, it definitely clarifies what Dylan was was commenting on, where you just simply have to in order to make that that shift, you have to leave behind like the infinite myriad of things in your life and you have to find a single pointed focus that's above them. That's be fun to find that part and share it with us on Marco Polo. Hi, Satcham. Hey, Tashi. Everyone. Uh, so I was just reading, I've sort of been thinking more about this sutra on the screen here. Um, I, I feel like the first thing I thought of when I saw that is it's simply like the wish to grow. Uh, intent on determining the reality of Shiva is better to be in the experience of the flow of that consciousness and uh, always being intent on that uh, to me sort of indicates the necessity of persistence um, like the daily practice and the, you know throughout the day making the effort to experience it uh, so i feel like it's very relevant to the beginning of us using marco polo and uh, sort of bringing it more and more into the day um, as we do these programs. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear your reflections on, on that as you start to work with it, because I think that that is, Jatila was mentioning this in his last in his, we keep saying this term, I feel like we should be getting paid for this, his last Marco Polo. Um, he was saying like how you can get overwhelmed with trying to bring something into your life like all day. And that he found that when he like relaxed and, and realized that Shiva awareness was like, was there all the time. I don't, I'm not trying to recreate this thing. I'm not trying to make this thing. But that like he found that he could relax into the work because it's sort of overwhelming otherwise like i mean i'd love to know how that goes for you all like you know you have we all have good days when we're like i want to do a lot of practice today you know and it's like four or five hours go by and you're like you know you don't have that same 
burning wish as you did at the very beginning of the process and how do you keep what does it mean to like really you know practice with intention like for a long period of time you know while you're in your life that's it i mean i'm perpetually just baffled by that you know in my life and i appreciate the way you brought it up tashi with like just trying to like use each task, chopping the vegetable to find Shiva, you know, and then, okay, what's my task now? And I'm going to use this task to find Shiva. I thought that was super helpful too. But I'd love to hear more as you guys go through the week, as we all go through the week about what does it really take to sustain an intention like this? How does it, how do you do it? Dharma. So I'm, um reading the words, you know, intent on determining the reality of Shiva. And it's, uh, it's bringing up that idea of clarity. And I know Babaji talks about being open to what's possible and not necessarily just responding from that small contracted self. And that as that this mental thought wave start to still, then clarity is possible. And so from that place, this this yogi, like this realized yogi, can see what's actually possible as opposed to what the small self would want or what the small self would ask for. Or the the power that we talked about that the world may perceive as power. And so it's a state of surrender and openness I think that's possible. And I had seen like a Rudy quote in his time about people coming into the store and just sort of feeding off of their energy and just be open in a state of love. And if things come up that cut off that flow, it's pointing out something in in you, you know, and it's almost like that, that contractedness can help point to where we need to surrender and let go. And that can be determining the reality. It's like, oh, like I can grow just by working with that. So the previous slide about the ele elemental or the elementary and the language and the sentences, it's just, it, it's all full of energy to use for our growth and to develop that mechanism so that the muscles are those internal muscles of the mechanism to use it all to, to grow. And that way you can really just focus on your experience that you're having in the present and, and, and know that your only work is to is to keep the that path open and when you feel that contraction like there's your work that's your musk that's how you build the muscle it's like really that simple and it's really based on your individual experience in the moment like with each new customer that walks in the door it's, 
now, like Babaji often says, you don't have to go searching for it. You know, maybe a part of sustaining this type of intention through the day is, is really about not, not really trying to hold on to what you think it should feel like or look like, you know, but rather to, it's really just holding on to the work of the present you know, working with what's in front of you, not trying to carry your ideas of the sutra per se, or the ideas of what working looks like per se, but like to really, to really ride the wave. It's almost like you have to have an empty backpack in order to, as Bob was saying earlier, to sustain this kind of work. Like, and it's almost like emptying the backpack is really our work and that's how we sustain it by emptying the backpack you know not by like changing the situations or fixing the problems you know or using our practice you know to do something externally but like just keep emptying the backpack and getting as present as we can but, you know terms things that we've heard of before but i'm always excited to look at it see it from a different angle. Dialing. I don't know if you guys talked about this last time because I wasn't there, but um, the escalator analogy reminds me of, and kind of what we've been talking about in the river and just stuff is always coming at you and you have to keep moving. Um, reminds me of something that, and I maybe somebody else knows uh, the Rudy quote, I just kind of kind of know the gist of it, but it was kind of like, if you're not growing all the time, then you're like kind of moving backwards. Like you have to be growing all the time, which used to be a really intimidating idea for me. Like it used, uh, not, not so much anymore because I think like you said, it's just really letting go all the time is the work you have to be doing. But it used to be like, gosh, I just have to like keep, <laughs> growing like all the time like you see even on yeah even at lunch <laughs> <laughs> who have, have but i know we're out of time but who by a show of hands who has like felt the intimidation of that statement at some point in their practice. I've definitely had that moment that Dylan's talking about where I'm like, there's no way I could possibly. And I'm just curious, you know, like, I'd love to hear about it. Like what shifted for you? Not right now. I don't have time right now, but like, um, what, why aren't you intimidated like that anymore? Like what changed or are you, you know, or is it just on a good day? You're not, you know, but like, I'm curious, like what shifted for you and, you know, I, I think it's a fun, fun thing to share. So boy, there's a lot of prompts. I'm gonna have to go back through and get all these prompts back. Uh, but I'll do my best to to give them out during the week for for our sharing between sessions. But um, as usual, thank you all for making this a special class. I just don't know how you do it every week. Okay. Abaya is going to lead us in a couple of ohms to finish class. We can bring hands to heart center and just take a couple of breaths. 
your next inhale, prepare to chant. We'll do three ohms. Thanks again, everyone. That was so fun. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> See you soon. Diane, because because you're still here, I can say this. I loved your balloon um, imagery, and I was thinking, I was like, I think I'll be in a hot air balloon because it feels safer, and then I can just like throw the sandbags out as my like getting rid of baggage. So that <laughs> you inspired yeah. me. I think I'm gonna play with that a lot this week. You guys do a really good job leading this. It's really super fun. It's a uh fun but really deep and seems like it really builds uh like a community with these people it's really cool yeah super cool